Hello, my friends, and welcome to this episode of NUMA. I'm your host, Daniel Finneran, and I'm honored that you've decided to join me today. Stoicism's central tenet. The core principle around which the rest of that ancient and noble philosophy revolves is to live in accordance with nature. To live in accordance with nature. This is the message, the simple, lapidary message with which the marbled entrance to the school of Stoicism would be inscribed. Its letters would be carved into stone, chiseled into rock, and permanently stamped on the souls of the select few to whom admission might be granted. It would be the message with which Zeno, Epictetus, Seneca, and the famed Marcus Aurelius would greet you as you approached their undimmed brilliance, shielded your eyes, and sat at their feet. To do otherwise, to live unharmoniously with nature, to be out of sync with or detached from the vital force to which you are inextricably bound and forever answerable, would be futile for the individual and deleterious to the society of which you are, when you get right down to it, the fundamental part. As natural beings, we mustn't discount, overlook, nor flout nature's demand on us. It is an order, no matter your location on this earth, nor your status among your fellow men, with which you must be dutifully compliant. I'm reminded of this ageless stoic maxim to live in accordance with nature. When I think about the epidemic of obesity in America, the fairest of countries in which I have the good fortune to live. As it happens, America isn't unique among developed nations where obesity has introduced itself and become widespread. This, the infirmity of gluttony, has forced its way through nearly every door in the West and looks to establish its residence the world over. Regarding this self-imposed affliction, there's a disturbing consensus on which most epidemiologists and public health officials have come to agree. By the year 2030, a mere eight years away from the present hour, it's estimated that 50% of American adults will be obese. That's right, I said obese. Though the word's so often heard and its form so often seen that it hardly gives us pause to think about its repercussions. We're not talking here about being just a little overweight, a little too fleshy, a little too chubby around our hips, neck, and thighs, but downright obese, a grave, unwholesome, 
and morbid condition by which the commonest functions of life are made needlessly difficult, and the likelihood of an untimely and fatal episode is frighteningly raised. I need not count the reasons why this one out of every two Americans being obese would be an undesirable situation, and one, more importantly, against which we should take every precaution. I'll simply pose to you this question. Is obesity in accordance with nature? Or is it quite out of keeping with her timeless decree? What would the Stoics say? How would they respond to this novel epidemic of overindulgence at the expense of good health? Does any other animal, who yet remains in the pristine terror of his natural habitat, suffer from this peculiarly human blight? Is any other beast in the field or creature in the forest made to contend with the daily inconvenience and burden of having an unsupportable surplus of weight? No. In nature, a paucity rather than an overabundance of food is the status quo and the accepted way of life. It can't be said that the deficit doesn't have, in regard to excess body fat, a salutary effect. I don't mean to imply that it's comfortable, just that it's more conducive to the maintenance of a respectable weight. That said, I'm going to lay out for you a proper stoic diet, one that is most certainly in accordance with nature and resistant to the intrusive claims of obesity and ill health. If you are able to adopt and adhere to this diet, I can almost guarantee that you'll lose weight. In fact, I should say it's very difficult not to. You'd sooner fail a test to which there are no wrong answers or stumble down a perfectly smooth and level road. For what it's worth, I've witnessed its salubrious effects not only on my own life and my own physique, but on those lives and bodies to whom I've been asked to give nutritional advice. The chief virtue of this, my stoic diet, is temperance. Temperance, you'll recall, is one of the four cardinal virtues, among which we also list prudence, justice, and courage. Temperance is the virtue of moderation. It's the virtue of self-governance, self-control, and, one of my favorite words, self-possession. Temperance is sovereignty over oneself. Temperance is dignity and restraint in the face of temptation. It's rather a moral than an intellectual virtue, which relieves you of the onus of having to think about it too much. Willpower is what's needed above all else. 
and the habitual employment of it in the various acts of life. Of what, you ask, does my Stoic diet consist? Firstly, it consists of fasting. The vaguest suggestion of deliberately missing a meal is one to which, I've discovered, most people are rather averse. To actively encourage another to abstain from food for a specified extended period of time is often received with laughter, mockery, and then, inevitably, dismissal. A wave of the hand and a firm declaration that I could never do that marks the conversation's coda, and with it my efforts end. This, at least, is the reaction with which my advice, whenever given, is usually met. As a result of our conditioning, and the material wealth of the age and the state in which we have the rare good fortune to live, we expect every hour to announce itself with the provision of food. Indeed, few are the hours unaccompanied by a snack, a meal, a calorie-laden beverage, a little munchkin donut, a kid's sized candy bar, or, if such treats are not quite in an active trajectory toward your lips, the hope and anticipation of their impending procurement. Just Think about the dominance that food has over your thoughts. It occupies a large portion of your mental space, a space that might otherwise be home to higher ideas, and of which there is a very limited store. As creatures, we are built ingeniously, I think, with the remarkable ability to endure long stretches of time without feeding. The body is, in this way, supremely clever, resilient, efficient, and undemanding. You can go days, weeks, perhaps even months without food, depending on the amount of fat with which your body is saddled or to put a more positive spin on it, equipped. Never forget, fat is but a reservoir for unused energy, a place in which calories, when unneeded for the immediate fulfillment of physical tasks, can be safely stored. It's like the spare refrigerator that stands in your garage or your basement to which you only resort when your main unit is overstuffed. Tell me, do you think that man, in his natural state, answered the call of the dinner bell three, four, five times each day? Do you think he had effortless access to tremendously caloric and unhealthy meals? No. While he might have spent his entire day in pursuit of food, the window dedicated to its eating was undoubtedly small. Let's revisit our stoic maxim. 
to live in accordance with nature. We've seen, by now, that nature has given us the capacity to exercise moderation. She's endowed us with the great virtue of temperance. She has given us the physiological gifts that enable us to endure long stretches of time in the absence of food. Fasting, you see, is not abnormal. It's not unnatural. It's not uncongenial to the over-pampered life of the modern woman or man. It is, on the contrary, a practice for which nature has carefully prepared and outfitted us. For this, my stoic diet, I recommend you eat once per day. That's right, one meal each day. Do you think that you're incapable of adhering to such a diet? Yes, you believe that you are. I can assure you that you're wrong. Undoubtedly, you know yourself better than I know you. But I can, with a glance, take an accurate measure of the human condition. It's a universal state of being, after all, in which we all participate, and by which all our characters are similarly stamped. I hesitate to use this tired line. But if I can adhere to and thrive on this diet, you probably can as well. To give you a glimpse of my day, I usually run, at the minimum, five miles in the morning, before working eight to ten hours during the day after which I go to the gym for some heavy resistance training. I do this all in a fasted state. I do this all in a stoic state of mind. Then, in the evening, I delight in my first and only meal of the day. A word of caution. You ought to delight and not overindulge in this single sacred meal. The temptation is to exceed the limits of one's stomach when, finally, the hallowed hour of consumption has arrived and your long-delayed rite of nourishment is at last set to begin. This temptation, however powerful, must be resisted. I advise you to eat only to 90% of fullness. Your satiety should be nearly complete, but with enough space left to enable your easy postprandial movement. Postprandial is just a fancy word that means after one's meal. You shouldn't be rendered cataleptic, lethargic, paralyzed by the unregulated bolus of calories you've just taken in. You should, again, even at this hour of the appetite's gratification, exercise moderation as the Stoics recommend. Temperance during the day, as well as temperance when eating your one meal. That is key to the Stoic diet. Eat to 90% satiation, fullness, while leaving a happy 10% unfilled. 
Think of it as a small tithe you pay yourself for the next morning's well-being. Trust me, you don't want to overfeed during your single meal, only to awaken bloated and indisposed the next morning. All right, so we've established a few things. The Stoic maxim, to live in accordance with nature, is a noble, salutary idea to which we all ought to conform. To live in a contrary way, one that's out of harmony with nature, is to invite discomfort, pain, and unwellness into our life. Obesity, with which our society is increasingly beset, is undoubtedly not in accordance with nature, I'm sorry to say. It is not the form, not the morphology into which we're supposed to develop. Temperance, on the other hand, by which obesity is necessarily staved off, is in perfect accordance with nature. It is a virtue, one of the four cardinal virtues, in fact, for which human beings have an innate aptitude. If we could only practice temperance, we might take some important steps toward restoring our lost good health. One excellent way to practice moderation, and, in so doing, to steel ourselves against the assaults of obesity and ill health, is to eat one meal per day, and to do so only until we're about 90% full. I'll consider it a great success if I've convinced you of this. It'll be incorporated into the annals of true miracles if you remain interested in hearing what more I have to say. Assuming you're open to the idea of giving one meal a day an attempt, I want to share with you a couple of useful techniques by which, in the earliest stage of its adoption, you can make this diet more tolerable. First, know this. Hunger pangs are inevitable. No matter the nutrition plan to which you subscribe, you will, at some time or another, suffer from them. But you should know, a hunger pang is often found to be playing the role of deceiver. It seeks to override your higher faculty of reason and to make you subservient to a baser instinct, a thoughtless appetite. Hunger pangs can be overcome. No sooner do they arise than, if you're prepared for their meddling, they are subdued. You must order your body not to succumb to their rumbling clamors. Remain superior to the pangs, and, I assure you, they will vanish. If, however, you require the aid of something exogenous to stifle a pang, here's what you should do. If visited by a pang in the morning or forenoon hours, drink black coffee or green tea. Neither is caloric, but both are tasty, nutritious, stimulative, and, above all, filling. The warm temperature of the liquid greatly contributes to this happy feeling of satiety, I might add. 
If it's a bit later in the day, drink bone broth. You can visit my Instagram page, search my name, Daniel Ethan Finneran, on which you'll find a useful sequence of pictures showing exactly how I prepare my version of homemade bone broth. It, like coffee or tea, is another highly satiating liquid with a negligible amount of calories that you needn't worry about. Of course, you should drink copious amounts of water throughout the course of the day, to which you can always add some electrolytes or freshly squeezed citrus, so long as no large quantities of sugar are sneakily finding their way into your cup and into your belly. Finally, my last tip for suppressing a hunger pang is mint. Have some mouthwash nearby, a toothbrush in your locker, or a stick of sugar-free, non-caloric gum in your pocket. Drink a lot of water, and then freshen your mouth. You'd be amazed how effectively this combination, a swig of water and a gurgle of mouthwash, can blunt hunger. Those techniques, of which I make daily use, are all very good for helping you to complete a 24-hour fast and eat only once a day. You might now ask, what, according to a Stoic, should I consume during my first and only meal? As you probably guessed, the food you choose to consume is just as important as the hour at which it's consumed. I accept that everyone's different. It is this diversity that makes us so lovable and compelling species. Everyone has his or her own unique palate, to which he or she must cater. That said, to eat like a stoic, and, by so doing, to become the healthiest version of yourself, I would recommend it simple, natural, wholesome, unostentatious foods. Whole, unadulterated foods are what you'll want. The lightly trod perimeter of the grocery store is where you'll find them. Grass-fed meats, pasture-raised eggs, fresh dairy, local honey, seasonal sweet produce. Seek out these things and buy them in bulk. Cook them in butter and salt while abstaining at all costs from those noxious seed oils. Simplicity and wholesomeness are key. If you're especially curious about the diet that I follow, with which I've had the most success, you can visit my previous episode entitled The Promethean Diet, How to Eat Like a Titan. A trademark, I should add on, that muscular and original name Promethean Diet is pending. You'll notice that some of the themes presented in this and that episode overlap. I see nothing incompatible with eating at once like a Stoic and a Promethean.
the intent of this episode was not to offend. If, by some unfeeling or maladroit expression on my part, I did cause offense, I apologize wholeheartedly. I think, however, the topic was worth the risk of hurt feelings, for which remedies are always available. For the injuries to health, fewer make themselves apparent. With that, I entreat you to follow, subscribe to, or leave a comment or a like on this channel. If you find the content interesting, helpful, or just plain different, don't hesitate to share it amongst family and friends. Through the past few months, this channel has grown unexpectedly, all thanks to you. I hope to continue its growth all while reaching more people who are seeking better, healthier, more philosophic lives. Farewell from Numa. <laughs>